You're listening to Indispensable, a weekly show with occasional expert guests discussing and celebrating our It's Business, Not Social philosophy and framework. I'm Colleen McKenna, your host. I'm the author of It's Business, Not Social and a longtime blogger, speaker, LinkedIn trainer, and coach. Listen weekly to stay up to date with all the latest trends, updates, strategies, and tools around LinkedIn. And every once in a while, we'll probably include some of our other favorite tools as well. Let's jump in. Welcome to Indispensable. I'm Colleen, your host. Today, we're talking with our Director of Digital Enablement, Jim Cusick. Jim works directly with our clients on building their brand, lead generation, and recruiting strategies. Part of the strategy inevitably involves content. That's what we want to talk about today with Jim. Welcome, Jim. How's it going, Colleen? All good. All good. We talk about this all the time in our meetings and day-to-day through Slack about how irrefutable it is that content is a necessary element of building a digital presence, creating the credibility and furthering a business development and recruiting initiative. So I'm really interested in hearing, Jim, about the experience you have as you're working with clients. So a couple quick questions, and then we'll just dive into conversation. Why do you think so many companies, especially small businesses, struggle with content, both in creating it and encouraging their sharing of it, whether it's them or their employees? So two questions there, Jim. Yeah, it's a, a great place to start. I think the, the biggest thing is, is companies are overthinking it. Um, your content strategy, um, especially when looking at LinkedIn specifically, doesn't need to be complex. It needs to be strategic. Um, but when these companies overthink it, they get into a spot where they're continually talking about it, but not actually executing on it. Um, and then it seems like this big unattainable goal of meeting their content deadlines when it's, if we do it in small increments, we split up the work and we're strategic about it, we'll be able to actually deliver content that not only, not only our clients, but um, anyone who engages with our brand would want to see and would learn stuff from. And then that second piece on encouraging employees to share it, I think when content is inauthentic or it's the employees would look at it as more mundane and it's the same thing over and over again. This is the product we sell. This is the product we sell. This is, this is what we do. This is hashtag our company. Those kind of things really feel inauthentic to the employees because they know where it's coming from. So then they're not as likely to share it organically um, or not as excited about sharing it. And then I feel like those who are running the content, they are pushing it down to those employees to share it but they feel awkward about it because they see the same thing that it's inauthentic and they, they know that these people aren't going to want to put it out to their network. So because of overthinking it and inaction, um, it kind of trickles down into why employees aren't sharing it. And really, as we know, your employees have typically 10 times more reach than your company page on LinkedIn. So definitely want to be leveraging your employees and empowering them to share it, um, not just encouraging Right. I think that that's a great point. I talk with salespeople every day, as you do, and that's one of the things I hear from them. I don't want to just be sharing all of the company content because it's just, number one, too much. It's a lot of pitching. And I often say, well, kind of curate your own content, right? So that it doesn't become so 
like a monologue just about over and over and over the same thing. And, and it's interesting. Sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, oh, I'm not comfortable curating my own content. So once again, that goes to that overthinking. And I think it's sometimes just, let's put something out there. Let's test it. Like we do lots of live experiments, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> Always testing. Always testing. So how are you recommending to clients, especially those smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, where we work with a lot of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, where very lean teams, and sometimes they're really running the whole thing themselves, and yet they want to build that presence. How are you recommending that they use content when they don't have a full marketing department or even one marketing person? Well, First, I, I recommend leveraging any tools that they can find um, and specific to what they need, tools that'll make it easier for them. There's so many from scheduling, from um, tools that help with content creation, just exploring. And as we just talked about testing um, and not bringing on an extra person or hiring an outside consultant right away, just figuring out what tools can I use that are easily accessible on the internet, quick to pick up and will save me time. The other thing, it really comes down to cadence. What cadence can you, because everyone has not enough time in the week. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's common, but what cadence can I do? How, is it just one post a week? Is it one post every other week? But if I'm going to do that post and spend time on creating that content, how can I make that the most valuable piece of content for my audience? Um, so not always just going, I need to do three a week because that's what I've heard. And that's what people tell me. What can I do that I'll be consistent with and start to make a habit um, from a content standpoint? And then it'll build on itself because once you start to see results or hear feedback from your um, audience on your content, it might be something that moves to a higher priority in, your, in how you divvy up your week. So for that solo entrepreneur, it's what can I handle? What can I leverage? And then once I see it growing and working, how can I make it repeatable, make it more efficient, and then deliver high quality content to my clients and target audience. Great. Perfect. And I think once people start to see um, people engage with their content and they understand how it works, sometimes I tell people just watch other people, right? Comment first and, and watch how the conversation can be sparked and the thread, you know, expands on a particular post so listening is good. And I think that once you see that and you create a little bit of momentum, it makes a huge difference. We've got to create momentum, but you yeah. never get momentum if you never start. Yeah, Colleen, you hit it on the head there. Watching others is a, a key way to do it, especially those who you would think it's probably pretty hard for them to create. There's companies in certain industries that it's like, how much content can you create about X? Because everyone knows about X. It's just something that we see on a day to day. But there's certain companies that, as we uh, we talk about standing out, that stand out to their competitors, stand out to their target audience, and they are thought leaders and they stretch that content to really provide value to people and continuously. And let's use an example. Say I'm, I'm, roofing is hard to do. I'm not knocking roofing in any way, but roofing is something that how much content can you really put out about roofing that hasn't been put on the internet? But go find these certain companies that there's ones that come to my uh, mind right in Baltimore that put out good content on multiple um, channels and they're somehow able to do it. And there's other companies. So and how do I create my own content 
Um, so you hit it on the head. Go see what they're doing. Um, and I know it's a little long-winded there, but go see what they're doing and co- copy, but take their best practices um, and apply it to your own industry or niche. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, observation makes a huge difference. Sometimes people are really surprised. Wow, somebody responded to me. Somebody, you know, asked me a question. That's what these platforms are are built for. And in terms of B2B, that's why LinkedIn's feed um, is there. So let's talk a little bit about that feed. Do I need, do people need to have a thousand followers on LinkedIn? No, it's not about uh, quantity. LinkedIn actually revamped their algorithm for that feed to limit how much, I guess, they, they really democratize it. So they, they wanted to not just have power users continuously being the only thing people see in their feed. Now, having thousands of followers that are your right target, target audience that engage with your content, obviously is the goal and is a great thing to have. But if it's a thousand plus followers that are sporadic, not intentional, and all over the place, you're not going to get that relevancy. And you'll hear this relevancy theme throughout talking about the news feed, but that you're not going to get that relevancy that's really highly sought after and what LinkedIn ranks really high. So if you just take a look at your newsfeed in that top right corner, it sorts by relevance. It doesn't sort by most recent. So if you're wondering why I'm always seeing the same thing in my newsfeed, well, that's because you have it set on relevance, which is the default, but your network, the types of content you engage with, everything you're doing on LinkedIn is very narrow, which can be a good thing, or it's very sporadic and LinkedIn doesn't know how to divvy it up. So they're just showing you the same thing over and over again, because they know that you'll probably like it, comment, or share it. Um, so it's designed not to be, um, as some other platforms, not to get people to engage because it sparks fear or sparks happiness, those kind of things. It's designed to try to be relevant for you as a business tool. So if you're relevant and intentional on LinkedIn, you're going to get that relevancy in your feed. So you need to reverse engineer that when you're looking at putting out content and saying, how can I stay relevant? What's going to get engagement where people are like, wow, it's not X, Y, and Z company putting out that thing again, that sales pitch again. It's, wow, they actually changed the way I'm going to approach this or change my thought process around it. Yeah. And I think it's important for us just to point out the term followers. So in case people are not clear, every connection is a follower, not every follower is a connection. So you can have, you have your connections, your network, other people can follow your content, but they may not be connected to you. Those major influencers who are creating a lot of content, uh, Simon Sinek, you know, Gary Vee, they, you're not connecting with them. You're just following their content. You're following them because um, that's how they're using the platform. For you, for me, for Jim, we have connections. We're trying to build that, that audience, those connections and create engagement. I'd like to have a highly engaged network. I'd rather know most of the people in my network. So as someone who does what we do, I probably have one of the smallest networks, but I have a more, I feel like I have a more highly engaged network. So that whole point on social influence I always say go for significance first. And with that comes social significance and social influence. Yeah, that's a good point. And the other thing to notice is if you have a lot less followers on your account than your connections, that means people took the time to unfollow you. So that's an indicator right there that the types of things you're doing on LinkedIn um, turned off people that you're connected to. So they didn't disconnect from you. You didn't lose a connection, but you lost a follower, which means they're most likely not going to see 
your content. Um, so if you see that big discrepancy from followers to connections, that might be a red flag that, hey, I need to look at what I'm doing on LinkedIn, look at my activity, because it's not just posting articles, it's comments I'm making, things I'm liking, all of those things count. And I've unfollowed, so I don't follow everyone I'm connected to. And it's a good best practice to unfollow if you're trying to get a more targeted newsfeed, especially when you keep it on that relevance tab. Right. And that relevance is also reflective of your network, right? So LinkedIn looks at the relevancy of your network, the content, the um, and you can customize that feed even more by industry, by publications. So you can help influence that feed based on your professional interests. Can you talk a little bit more about the relevance? Because we talk about relevance in terms of network all the time. Yeah. So relevance is when they revamped that revamped that algorithm for LinkedIn and they looked at how are we going to make this the best possible structure for our users, they, they start with relevance. So when you're putting out content, they're looking at how relevant is this going to be to those who see it in the newsfeed? How relevant is this to your audience, your network, people that your second, third degree connections that are connected to those that you're connected to? And they're breaking that down as a first layer of screening to decide who's going to get it first. They want you to get, because they want to keep you on the platform longer. They want you to get likes. They want you to get shares and comments. So they try to send it to those that's relevant. And now I see a, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but not really. I see a, a not a best practice is people just loading up hashtags into their post to try to make it relevant, but actually it backfires. So three is really the max you want to do from a hashtag standpoint, from all the data LinkedIn looks at and what they judge from what I've seen and from experience. Those hashtags, if they're all over the place, it doesn't get you in more channels. A lot of people aren't following hashtags on LinkedIn. They're not searching hashtags. So you don't get a lift there. You actually get dinged because you don't have a relevant, concise post. You have 55 hashtags that are loosely related that you've all put in your post about a post about something that's very specific in a niche. So it's better to be specific so LinkedIn can pick it up and get it to the right people that are going to engage with it. There's a good blog, I think it was Hootsuite or or one of those that um, was around LinkedIn's feed. And they took a snapshot of an aviation company. And instead of being really wide and general with their hashtags, they were specific to people that, as they coined the, the term, nerdy about aviation. And they got a ton of engagement with it and a ton of lift from that post and the posts that were structured that way, instead of just saying general airplanes, aviation, flying, travel, like you start to do that thinking you're actually benefiting yourself and it's actually picked up as not relevant and dinged when it it goes out to people. I think that's a great point. I remind people all the time when I'm training, this is not Instagram where you have all these hashtags and it becomes distracting. I think it actually lessens the credibility of the post as I'm looking at it. And um, I looked at one yesterday and I think that there was actually at least 20 hashtags in there. And to your point, I I didn't even take the time to read what that article was because I felt like it was all over the place. Let's talk about the algorithm because you and I both get questions in our conversations, emails, direct messages on LinkedIn. What's happening with the algorithm? How do I beat LinkedIn's algorithm? Yeah, that uh, 
That's something that makes both of us cringe, right? When someone asks, <laughs> how, do we, how do we beat the algorithm? Um, our best advice is you don't beat the algorithm. Um, you're not in competition with the algorithm. It's how do I leverage the algorithm? Um, how do I understand the algorithm so I can get my posts in the right direction? There, LinkedIn didn't create an algorithm for um, judging and putting out this content because they want to try to have people figure it out like a Rubik's cube. They want people to do things that are natural, things that seem like it would make sense. When you think about what makes sense and what people engage with, if you just follow that plan, you're going to do well with LinkedIn's algorithm. Uh, it's If you are trying to beat it and they make an algorithm change, you're going to get dinged. It's like when they did the Penguin, I think it was the Penguin update with Google, and all these companies got so upset because they were crushing on SEO because they were doing all these activities that were cheating the algorithm, and they changed it. And they got crushed and then it took them so long to get their following back up because they didn't have this nice, organic, thoughtful content. They had content that was beating the algorithm. So don't start there. It's, it's, if you go in there with how do I beat the algorithm as your mindset, you're not going to do well. So take some time, do some research, really come up with a strategy and work on it. And, and as we talked about, test it. Test against that algorithm to make sure that you're doing the things that are going to get your things seen, but do not, do not go against the algorithm as I'm going to beat it. It's not a competition. We're never going to be smarter than the algorithm. Exactly. And a little bit of a shameless plug. I have a chapter in my new book called It's Business Not Social talking about this specific topic. And, and I think it's really important. Everybody wants to try to figure it out. It's just futile. So let's build, let's spend less time thinking about that and just better time making people look credible and, you know, subject matter expert worthy, right? I think that that's a much better use of our time and energy. So when you're talking with clients and and prospects, because a lot of times people will call us and be like, how can you help me with this? What do you hear about what they're doing and posting? I know people are frustrated. I don't get any engagement. How do you, what do you take? How do you take that question, that statement, that declaration, right? Because a lot of times people are saying it's not working. And it's usually, it's not that it's not LinkedIn that's not working. Exactly. And that's, that's the most common one right off the bat is I don't get any engagement. And it is frustrating, uh, especially when you've invested time, a lot of time and resources to posting and, and trying to put a strategy together and to not get any engagement. Really where you have to start with that and where I ask that back is, is what do you engage with on LinkedIn? And some people say, well, I don't really engage with any content on LinkedIn. And then it's, okay, well, if you don't engage with any content, maybe your peers aren't engaging that much with content, but they could be seeing the content, just not engaging with the content. So then we talk about looking at the, the right on your homepage, if you go to the left under who's viewed your profile, you can see who's viewed your post and you can see a high level snapshot of the types of roles that are viewing your post, the companies, the locations. So starting out there, maybe you're not getting engagement, but maybe your posts aren't engage worthy and, and that's fine, but they might be good posts. So people in your industry might be seeing them. So first thing, start there. The other thing is what's, what's the cadence? What's, what is that actual strategy behind how you're doing it now? Um, a lot of times when people come up with that, I don't get any engagement and we start to peel back the onion and see, okay, where are we with our strategy? 
it's random. And uh, there's that great book, Random random Acts of Marketing. You do not want to be doing random acts of marketing. Um, it's not going to work and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to come up with, I don't have any engagement. LinkedIn doesn't work. And, and it's really not something that you can just do and just expect results right away. It's built, it, even, I, I, I always laugh when people tell me like, oh, social, being a social media influencer is so easy. Like, I really wish I was a social media influencer. If those people knew the amount of time those people are structuring posts, thinking about it, like those with a true following that are doing it, those people are working hard. There's no, it might be different types of work, but they're working hard to build that following. What's that book, um, Blank and uh, Shay and Sid McGee, the book that you recommended? Oh gosh, I can't remember the name. Um, wow, I have to pull up my- Life, uh, life. life is Beautiful, I think, right? Yeah, that's so funny. Let, let me just see if I can get to, very quickly get to my library here. So Colleen recommended this book and I probably wouldn't have read it um, other than her recommendation. I actually never heard of Sid and Shay McGee. Uh, it never popped up in my Netflix recommended section, but they worked extremely hard on liking and engaging with every comment they got on any social media channel. And that's where they built their, if you look at what built their brand, it was that grassroots grinding it out just engaging with their clients, engaging with not even potential clients, people who are just interested in their brand. And that's what set them apart. So if you start to think about it that way, that's how you're going to get engagement. Um, but sometimes posts, like I said, are not engage worthy. If you're not asking a question, if you're not, it's just something they see in their feed and they keep scrolling. Um, I think it's, it's less than a second. Um, I don't know the exact amount of milliseconds that's what counts as a view on LinkedIn, but I think it's, it's a little bit less than a second. Um, that if someone's looked at your post for that long, it'll count as a view um, as they're scrolling their feed. And the audio book is Make Life Beautiful by Sid and Shay McGee. Yeah. And book about that, uh, yeah. building your following. I mean, they are a marketing company that creates products and designs a beautiful space is mm -hmm. how I would characterize them. Right, Jim? Yes. So one of the things when, especially when I'm talking to a small business owner or CEO who is um, creating content, they're blogging. One of the things that I often hear is my blogs aren't getting engagement. And when I read my blogs, they are really too high level. Like I, it's not my voice. And, and most often it's the business owner who has outsourced the writing of the content to someone else. And that person who's writing that content for that business owner is not the subject matter expert in employee benefits or tech or whatever, whatever the area is. Um, and it's interesting to me, and I have lots of conversations about this. One of the things that I would probably never give up, and I've been blogging for what, I think eight years now, is blogging. I understand the commitment behind it. I understand how hard it is. And to your point, it is hard. And I think, who's reading this? Is anybody reading this? And yet people will message me or I'll see people even at the grocery store and they'll be like, I love your posts and I love your blog. And I'm like, really? Because you never comment on it. And that's okay. Once again, to your point, they see it. My greater point is it is almost impossible to outsource your expertise and expect that somebody can capture your expertise in a blog post. 
So very often I'll recommend, why don't you just do an audio outline, right? Just record yourself talking so that that outsourced writer can capture your inflection, the language you use, how you would um, phrase something, characterize something, so they can actually hear you. Because I think it's very difficult to expect that unless you're actually writing it, somebody else is really going to capture your voice. And that voice, you being a subject matter expert, is super important in building that digital credibility. Exactly. Thoughts on that? No, it's, it's uh, brilliant. It's it's something that for people that don't like writing, to be able to just talk, I'm one of the, I, I don't not like writing, but I'm not a good writer. So for me to be able to just record it really quickly and have someone else, a Charlotte or a Sarah on our team, go ahead and, and take what I uh, think and put some nice words behind it, but still capture my, um, how I want it to be energy wise and the tone and everything there is really important. So that's a, I mean, a great tip. And it's, I mean, whether it's driving in a car and you just hit the Bluetooth button and record a little note um, and you're thinking your thoughts there and you're not adding any extra time to your week but you're making sure you have content that actually will help your target audience, not just be a high level generalization. Right. I don't think that that generalization helps so much because we're kind of all past that. I think the bar for content is higher. Mm -hmm. For sure. And we need to understand that. So um, I think that that's just kind of a, a tip I would say to any business owner, anybody who wants to really build their digital presence and their credibility and their subject matter expertise. Just think about maybe there's a, a lower value um, activity you can remove and put something like this content piece in instead, at least for six months. I mean, we can all do something, even if a quarter, right? I'm new to Peloton. They always talk about like make small steps. Let's do small steps. Exactly. So how can people see their history so that maybe they can go back and begin to understand and analyze, have I made any traction or not? So there's a, a couple of different places to, to find that information. The easiest one is just rate on your profile. Um, and this is public for anyone who's checking out your profile. So something to consider is whether you're job searching or you just have clients that check out your profile, you want to make sure that anything you do on LinkedIn activity wise, posting wise, commenting um, is the way you want to be presented. Because if not, someone can quickly see that in that section. So your post and activity section, uh, it's right below your featured section. If you have a featured section on your LinkedIn profile, um, you can click into there and there's four different categories and you can see exactly what you're doing as far as activity on LinkedIn. And you can go into your posting history. You can see articles you've posted to LinkedIn. Um, now the articles, a little bit different than just a simple post that you would see in the feed. The article is going to be more longer form. It's a great way to get a boost on LinkedIn because you're keeping people on LinkedIn sites. So they, they really will uh, give you a little bit of a bump there for putting strong content, relevant content, but keeping people on LinkedIn sites. So it's a great way to, to mix up your activity and still be a, a thought leader there. But that's going to be right there. Now, as you're going through your posting, if you post a lot on company pages, I think it's a year that it'll show activity. Your post for yourself, uh, if you've posted a lot, I haven't gotten to exactly when it'll cut off, but at three, five years, um, you can go back and see your history there. And if you need to delete a post, um, you can do that there as well by clicking on the post and delete it. If you need to edit a post to, to update it, you can do that as well because um, something 
things change quickly. So something you posted three years ago, um, you might want to edit and, and give an update there, especially if it was a post that got a lot of engagement. That's an easy way to take a week mm -hmm. off of your content schedule um, by just going back and editing a, a post and, and putting it back out there. So yeah, that's the easiest way to see it. You can also see it if you go up to the, the right-hand corner, um, click on me, and then there's post that activity there as well. Great. And I think sometimes people are concerned about um, sharing content and posting content. What if they make a mistake? Or they have a typo. We've all done it. Everybody's done it. Go back in, just edit it, right? Just to your point, just go in, update it. It's all good. Everybody who's ever posted something has made a typo and, and you can just fix that. Yeah. And I was going to say, that's a, that's a great point. And the other thing is if you see people that you are in your that are in your influence area that you work with on a constant basis, whether it's a partner or just someone that is a friend of yours and you see a, a typo in their post, shoot them a, don't put it on the post. Don't, don't comment. Hey, you have a typo, but shoot them a note, shoot them a text and say, Hey, I just noticed you had a typo in there. So they can go in and fix it and like help them with their brand. As we didn't really talk about the releasing of that post and how it, it goes out, but it's not like it just goes out to everybody in one day. So it might only have been seen by 50, 60 people. So let them know, let them make the edit because they might be doing the same thing for you the other way when you have a typo. So help each other out. Yeah, that's being um, what I call being a good social citizen. So you can look at your activity from your personal LinkedIn profile. Whomever is managing the um, company page on LinkedIn can see analytics. And then I always also encourage everybody to look at Google Analytics or whatever tool they're using to look at their web traffic and see where your traffic's coming from. On the, in the B2B world, the stats show that right around 60% of traffic back to a website from a social platform originates in LinkedIn. And usually when I say that in a group session, people are like, I don't think so. Really, I don't know about that but they're not checking. So go into Google Analytics. I think it's under, on the left-hand side, acquisition or behavior acquisition, social, but have your, uh, whomever is managing your website and those analytics, take a look at that and give that to you because we know exactly which posts are resonating. And really over the last, what, three or four months, Jim, it's been a lot of job seeker posts that we've written over the years. So we're actually now in the process of updating some of these posts. Sarah's been working on this because we want to make sure that they're up to date and relevant. And LinkedIn's done a lot of changing in the job search area for job seekers. Yeah, that, that has been an interesting, uh, as far as looking at the data, interesting that people are going back. 2015 was one, a blog from 2015 was one of the top ones the other day as far as visits. And a lot of that traffic came back through LinkedIn. So they found it through LinkedIn, then they came to our website. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as that, definitely, definitely good best practice. Well, I think that we have covered a lot of ground and there's lots that we could talk about. Sponsored posts, advertising campaigns, um, sponsored in mail. And I think we should come back and do this again in a couple of weeks and do another segment on those topics. Let people digest this and move forward. There was one tip from all the things that we talked about today to encourage people to get started thinking about content in this way. What would it be, Jim? It's got to be consistency. It's it's making it making it simple, being strategic about it, but being consistent. Turn it into a habit. 
Terrific. This has been great. I've really enjoyed our conversation. We always, Jim is super strategic in how he looks at everything and he's reading the engineering blogs um, from LinkedIn and he's always doing research. So what we've talked about today is timely. It's relevant. It'll help you move forward on LinkedIn. So thanks for listening. Share your comments with us. Send us an email. You can reach Jim at jim at interoadvisory.com. Obviously connect with him on LinkedIn. Same for me, Colleen at interoadvisory.com and Colleen McKenna on LinkedIn. We're grateful for you spending some time with us today and we look forward to seeing you again real soon. Thanks. Colleen, thanks everybody. For show notes, be sure to check out Intero's website, interoadvisory.com. Let's connect on LinkedIn. Again, I'm Colleen McKenna. And check out Intero Advisory on YouTube and Instagram. Thanks again for listening to Indispensable.